Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast for and by Rockies fans on Rocky Mountain Rooftop. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to Affected by Altitude, the Colorado Rockies podcast on Rocky Mountain Rooftop, a proud affiliate of Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Evan Lang, and with me today is, as always, Skylar Timmons. Skylar, it's been uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've uh, we've done a show. Yeah, I went camping one week, so I was up in the mountains, and then we were, you were sick, and I was off doing family stuff last week, so... It's been a while since our trade show extravaganza. That was the last time we we got together for a podcast. Yeah, I can't say I recommend getting sick in August. It's weird and unpleasant. Is there like a there's certain months when you think of getting sick and August doesn't August, feel like one, of, those. one of them. And it's so weird because like I I had the chills so bad. I was freezing, freezing cold. It was 92 degrees outside, AC off, no fans on, completely bundled up, just freezing cold. It was the worst. Yeah, it's usually the winter months. Those are the those are the months to get sick. Yeah, that's when you expect to get sick because you know, cold flu season and everything like that. Granted, now after the last couple of years, there really isn't a a def a definite cold flu season anymore. People just get sick sometimes all the mm-hmm. time. <laughs> we we notice more when people get sick. Well, and also it's also you you see um, you see cold and flu out of season a little bit more now. Mm-hmm. Thanks a lot, COVID. Yeah, really, uh, really just made things so awesome. That whole viral pandemic thing that was great. Mm-hmm. Let's do that again. <laughs> Let's not. Let's absolutely not do that again. Uh, but yeah, so we've been off for about two weeks here. Um, we last talked at the trade deadline. And, you know, honestly, there's not been a ton to talk about up until recently. Either the Rockies sort of started sputtering after um, coming back from the All-Star break relatively hotter than normal. Um, and then, you know, have looked a lot more like the Rockies we expect them to look. But it's not all bad at this point because the the two major things that we've had happen since that trade deadline is that we've had two major returns of of key players to the lineup. The first of which is Charles Charles Cobb Blackman, aka Mister Chuck Nasty. And yes. um, yeah, it, it's really great to have him back. He's been basically an immediate impact on on the team. Even if we're not necessarily winning more games, you can tell that him being back in the lineup has been important. 
Yeah, and it, it, you think of as we've looked at just what Charlie Blackman means to the team. No, he's the Todd Helton of this generation, this you know, version of the team. The last few years, he's been the veteran, you know, long-term guy with the organization. You know, he's had success. He's the leader. He's the the old guy of the group that's been around for a while, had some a lot of success. And it's noticeable when you don't have him in the lineup. And oh, he hasn't been the Chuck Nasty of old the last no year or so. Some years, but it's still important to have him in there because he's still a veteran. He's still got a solid you know, approach at the plate. He's exactly the type of guy you want in the lineup, that veteran presence. When we speak of when we talk about the type of veterans you want in the lineup, you want a Charlie Blackman more than a Jerks and Profar veteran in that lineup and we'll talk about Profar later in the show but his presence is missed and he's that mentor to all these young guys the team is younger now after that trade deadline they became one of the youngest position groups in all of baseball Uh, so his presence is needed in that lineup if nothing else to be an example a teacher a mentor to these younger guys on the team yeah, and, and guys like Nolan Jones and Brenton Doyle have both pointed out how important it is to have a guy like Charlie Blackman around and how much they learn from him being around mm-hmm. and you know how hard he works, the habits that he's developed, uh, his approach at the plate. Just you know, everything that he does is is something that can be an example for these younger guys. And and like like you said, this is a team that's gotten significantly younger. Um, after the trade deadline, arguably should have gotten even more younger, but um, you know, Jerks and Profar and Harold Castro are still here. Um, but we've seen more regularly a lot more rookies in the lineup. Alaris Montero getting more playing time. Nolan Jones and Brenton Doyle and Ezekiel Tovar are all basically everyday starters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Tolia has been getting more playing time as well. This is a young core that's going to keep getting younger. And having Charlie Blackman back, you know, he he's not, you know, he's 30, he's a 37-year-old designated hitter at this point, but he's still got some gas in the tank. We've seen him make some nice plays in right field when he's played. And since he's come back, he's been pretty solid at the plate. He's still working on getting that power coming back, but he had a triple the other day, which man, to to see him really bust out the wheels, turn on the gas, and leg out that triple at 37 years old. Mm-hmm. As the franchise's all-time triples leader, I I love watching Chuck hit triples. Uh, doesn't have any home runs yet, but you know what? One of the biggest things that stands out to me is since he came back, is that he has not struck out a single time since he's returned to the lineup. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he's still got that old veteran approach at the plate. Again, relating him back to Todd Helton, Chuck's always had a good plate approach, and you no, know, in the leadoff spot, it's. He's been aggressive. He's hit home runs out of the leadoff spot. And as he's gotten older, he's refined that approach. Where this year alone, you know, his strikeout to walk ratio is pretty close. And you know, in April and March, he had 15 strikeouts, 13 walks. May, 13 strikeouts, six walks. June had five strikeouts to two walks in just eight games before you know, breaking his hand. And then here in August, no strikeouts, four walks in just four games at time of recording, 15 plate appearances. It's got five hits, four runs scored, and that triple, couple of ribbies. 
So it's he's got that nice contact, solid approach at the plate where he's putting the ball in play and showing good vision at the plate. If he's not getting the pitch that he likes, he's taking his walks. And that results in runs and sets up the table for other guys. Uh, he, he's just back in showing glimpses of the Chuck Nasty of old that we all just kind of know and love. Where, yeah, we miss the 20-plus home run campaigns from Chuck. But no, he's now in a different kind of role, and he's fulfilling that and still putting up good at-bats. And that's really all you can ask for of your, again, your 37-year-old DH right fielder that, you know, Bud Black saying he's looking a little spry out there still <laughs> for running out of triple and played in the outfield recently and everything. So he, he I he's still got that gas in the tank, and that's what the team needs. And, you know, the arguments of, well, what do you do with him after this season? Does he retire or does he look to keep playing a little bit more? And what does that look like with everything, which we might be able to talk a little bit about. Yeah. So one of the things that before we go into this next topic, one of the things that I want to bring up is that you're you've all you've always had some some people who are not big on that initial contract extension that Chuck signed back uh, before the season in 2018, where he signed a six year, hundred eight million dollar deal. And of course, he's in the last uh, year of that contract now. And. You know, I've seen some people um, in various places say, oh, well, why would you have signed uh, at the time 32-year-old uh, designated hitter to that kind of contract? And it misses the context of, at the time, Chuck wasn't just a 32-year-old DH. He was a 32-year-old center fielder, multiple-time all-star, batting title champion, and um, and fan favorite for the team. And sometimes you're going to give out a contract not based on the future, but on what that player has done for the team. And if you look at the last six seasons with, with this last um, with this last season uh, included, I would definitely say that Chuck has earned this contract. He's been so important to this team, even as we've seen him sort of age out of regular outfielding duties on a day-to-day basis and become more of a designated hitter. We've also seen him become even more of the important veteran leader of this team. And what I think is, is going to be the question and uh, our on Renee Deckert on purplerow.com brought this up is, would you consider signing Charlie Blackman to a one-year deal for next season. Mm -hmm. It's, you look back, I think the context here is what happened with Cargo in 2018, where there's question, his contract ended after 2017, and then you just kind of wondered, what's going to happen with Cargo? Are they going to bring him back? You know, he didn't have the best year in 2017. You know, what, what do we do with him? And eventually they did, you know, under the gun, like right into spring training, did reunite with Cargo for that final season with him in Colorado. And no, maybe we see that same kind of thing where, you know, it's natural if Chuck doesn't retire, if he doesn't choose to retire, maybe he does. And you kind of look at it and try to figure something out. I don't know if you're, you're not going to probably extend him a qualifying offer unless you really want to just kind of as a reward. Like, Chuck, we want you back for just one more year. 
we'll pay you the whatever nineteen million dollars, whatever, whatever the the qualifying offer would be, and bring him back for one more season. Yeah. But I wouldn't mind it for him to come back when there's other things they could do and people pounding the desk. Oh, we want you still need veterans on these kind of teams of where you're going to be younger. Yeah, look at the team now. That's what you want is more of these you know, younger guys playing. But you still need the importance of a guy in the clubhouse, a veteran player like Charlie Blackman, who has spent his career in Colorado. It's still important to keep him around so he can just teach them, continue to mentor and and kind of help them out in their journeys and you know, continue to help them crack what, what it's like to play in Colorado. And the thing I like about Charlie Blackman is that he likes being here. Like he wants to be here. We joke, always joke about that. The other guy wants, but literally like Chuck wants to be here. You know, he appreciates being with the Rockies and you know, has enjoyed his time here. And you know, he was, I still think to myself that he was never going to ask for a trade. You know, with that deadline, even without with the injury that kind of made that decision a lot easier. But if he wasn't injured, I really think that he would, wouldn't want to be traded really here. You know, he was only really going to get traded if he asked for it. And I don't think he was going to ask for it. Like what we got at the tail end of Larry Walker's career. Yeah. And, and some other great Rockies. And that's, that's another thing. I'll, I'll touch on this very briefly because Larry Walker and Charlie Blackman, while, while Chuck is probably not going to be a hall of famer, yeah. let's be, let's be, no. let's be blunt about that. What's important is that this team does try to do right by its lifetime superstars. And that's what they did with Larry Walker. People always talk about, oh, well, the Rockies traded Larry Walker and they trade away all their best players. Larry was Larry was about Chuck's age. He was at the tail end of his career. He realized the team was getting younger and asked for a trade to get that one last shot at a ring before he retired mm-hmm. and the Rockies did right by him and the Rockies did right by themselves because they got the Cardinals to pay off the rest of his contract and they sent Larry to a contributing team and he would retire the next season and there were no hard feelings about it and I, I think it's the same thing where the Rockies would not have traded Chuck unless Chuck said all right guys I'm 37 I'm going to be 38 next year let me go get that one last ride and so what i what i think i think there's about a 50 50 chance that he retires at the end of this season because you know he's he's 37 he spent unfortunately a large chunk of the season on the injured list um some of the some of the rockies broadcasters have been pointing out that he's been a little bit more taking it all in as he's been going around since he's been coming since he's come back but if there's a chance to bring him back next year I I would be absolutely down for it of even if it was the QO like you said of all right Chuck let's do your ride off and let's do your last ride season and, and really really give it everything that we've got for you and let you have your last hurrah mm-hmm. and that would be great because and we make fun of oh this team they love their veteranosity um, with guys like you know Jose Iglesias last year Jerkson Profar Harold Castro but there's a difference between that veteranosity that we make fun of and real legitimate 
veteran leadership that guys like Charlie Blackman provide. And like you mm-hmm. said, that kind of real legitimate veteran leadership is important on a team that is so, so young. You need to have at least one guy there who has been around the block and can help mentor and shape these young players. And I think that needs to be Chuck. Yeah. If he, if he does reside, decide to not retire at the end of this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you like, look over at the Arizona Diamondbacks, Evan Longoria. Uh, did they really have any business getting old man, Evan Longoria, you know, to come be a third baseman DH is kind of fill and roll. No, but they're a very young team. And you bring in veteran leadership of good players you know, who've had a nice historical track record. You bring those guys in to help your next group of players because coaches and managers, you know, they can only do so much, but having that extra coaching support of guys like Charlie Blackman go a long way. And yeah, you, you don't, you don't want to pay too much. Uh, again, it just depends if you sign him for too much, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't type of thing. Yeah, you're going to... He deserves some sort of reward. Maybe he would take a little bit of a a, a discount or you know, accepts a qualifying offer if you extended that to him or something. But I like what you said. It would be nice to have him one more season and let that be the last raw. He announces, yeah, I'm going to retire after the season. This is my last season. And give fans and everybody a chance to come and celebrate him instead of, you know, things like when Todd Helton just randomly announces at the (laughs) quietly on a weekend series in Arizona in August. Yeah. I'm going to retire at the end of this season. No, a little more notice would be nice. So fans could come and celebrate Chuck. Yeah. Just give him. And even, even if they're not a Hall of Fame player, because you see Hall of Fame players, like we've seen uh, Miguel Cabrera get his yeah. real last ride around the league this year. I think your lifetime players deserve that same kind of treatment, though mm-hmm. probably it's not going to be as big a deal as guys like, you know, remember when David Ortiz was retiring or, or Miggy this year. But, you know, if this is the last hurrah for Charlie Blackman this year. You know, what What makes me sad is that we didn't really get to treat it as his last ride and give him the celebration of his career that he deserves. Mm-hmm. Unless he pulls a Todd Helton and just quietly announces it within the next couple of weeks. And Which then, is definitely something he could do. That's very yeah, much in his... That's very Chuck. <laughs> that's, it would be very Chuck. Like, <laughs> he'll be out fishing or something. And then he'll just like call in and be like, no, I think, uh, I think I'll be retiring at the end of this season. Yeah. Or his wife will just post something on Instagram. <laughs> That's how a lot of us knew when he was coming back off his rehab. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, when we knew he was coming back because, uh, Ashley Blackman, his, uh, his wife posted a video of her picking him up. <laughs> yeah. So it'd be, we love Chuck. It's it. Bottom line. It's good to see him back in the lineup and if nothing else, hopefully to just finish the season strong and, and get that nice taste of finishing it, uh, finishing it out, whatever happens. Yeah, I would, I would be remiss to say that I would hate if Charlie Blackman's final season in baseball is the Rockies first 100 loss season. It's probably going to be the case though. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. <laughs> but then you also you also can't let that take away from how important 
his his career has been to this team in this franchise and how much we all love him. And yeah. I know that a lot of people say, well, you should reserve retiring numbers for your guys who get into the Hall of Fame. I, I think that's only like Rockies people that are thinking that because you look at some of the other teams. The Mets retired Keith Hernandez's number. And like, yeah, he had some good seasons, but Keith Hernandez should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But still, like that sentiment of if there's these really high bent, you should celebrate your no, players' you, history. You should you should look at the Yankees. The Yankees yeah. retire everybody's number. I, I love Bernie Williams. <laughs> there's no reason for Bernie Williams to have his number retired. <laughs> but I sneezed in the while he was in a Yankees uniform. Let's retire his number. But Charlie Blackman, I think the moment he retires, you put that number 19 up there on the rafters. Yeah, like don't do just like the ghost number retirement that has happened with number five. You know, <laughs> there's no reason anybody should ever wear five again. And if you're never yep. going to hand it out, put it on the rafters. <laughs> these, especially these guys are never going to get into Hall of Fame, even though there should be a team Hall of Fame. But yeah, yeah. you know what the Arizona Diamondbacks just announced as part of their 25th anniversary season? A mm-hmm. team Hall of Fame, one that the Marlins and the Rays also both have. Mm-hmm. And yet the Rockies, one of those four 90s expansion teams, do not have a team Hall of Fame. Yeah. <sighs> Weird. <Yeah>. Anyways. <laughs> Retire number 19. When Chuck yep. retires, that number's got to go up. He deserves that much. Mm-hmm. And a but- brand new 2004 jeep grand cherokee now they i think he finally has a new truck no you still give you give him instead of a horse you give him a 2000 we'll we'll up it to a 2007 jeep grand cherokee but it's got to be either brand new or lightly used yeah (laughs) or you replace all the parts so that it might as well be brand new and is it what is it um what's the philosophical thought experiment the the ship where if you have a ship and you slowly replace all the parts, is it the same ship or is it a different yeah. ship? The ship of Damocles or whatever, something like that. I don't know. That's I haven't a, seen. I haven't seen Wandavision in a bit. I mean, it existed before Wandavision. Yeah, but that's where I heard it last. True. Fair enough. Ship of <laughs> it is Exciting. the ship. The ship of Theseus paradox. That's right. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. Both when are we get the back, true Jeep Grand Cherokee. Well, when we get back, we'll continue to discuss the uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee of Theseus. <laughs> and, we get philosophical. Uh, talk a little bit of outfield defense. So hang tight and we'll be right back. Woo. Welcome back to Affected by Altitude. Evan and Skyler here with you, continuing to talk about your Colorado Rockies and something that we're going to get into now. You know, we we're just talking about Charlie Blackman is the outfield defense. The outfield's really been taken over by rookies at this point, mm-hmm. where your everyday starting outfield so far in August has largely been three rookies. It has been Nolan Jones, Brenton Doyle, and and Michael Tolio. And occasionally you get Jerks and Profar out there, and uh, Charlie Blackman, for example, started in right field uh, last night. But especially Nolan Jones and Brenton Doyle, they are everyday starters in the outfield now. 
And what's really been amazing to see is just what they have meant for the outfield defense, because that's not something that we're particularly used to, especially recently is quality outstanding outfield defense from multiple spots from multiple spots. And now we've got Nolan Jones and Brenton Doyle who are both incredibly quick guys, Doyle a little faster than Jones, who both have incredibly strong arms and are both just playing really quality outfield defense. We were discussing the fact that, you know, Brenton Doyle, a rookie could be in the gold glove conversation mm-hmm. for his contributions in center field. Mm-hmm. Um, Doyle is has the is tied for the highest fielded run value in all of baseball at 14. He has one of the highest defensive runs saved in all across all outfielders in Major League Baseball with 11. He's been fantastic. And then you have guys like Nolan Jones. Nolan Jones is up there in terms of defensive runs saved with 6 and he is tied for the second in the National League with outfield assists with 10. And he's only started 50 games in the outfield. Compared mm-hmm. to, you know, we're 120 plus games into the season right now. So mm-hmm. he's competing with guys who've been playing all year and he's already earning top marks in DRS and outfield assists because he's got that cannon of an arm where you just don't run on the guy. Do not test that arm because he will gun you down. It's such an impressive arm. I liken it to cargo. Mm-hmm. Remember when cargo is out in right field, he had that absolute howitzer of an arm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good to see just there's no go on no Joe of especially both these guys of it's nice to see to have some success in the outfield, especially at Coors Field where defense defense in the outfield is so dang important. Now, Brenton Doyle is finally a the true center fielder that the Rockies have you no know, complete packs that the Rockies have really never had or have been looking for for a long time. Uh, you think of the history of center fielders. You know, there's not many that come to mind of just you know, the complete package of unlimited speed and range out there, plus a really strong throwing arm. You know, you've had guys with maybe one or the other, but Doyle brings in both. Like you said, he's also he's second in the National League in DRS in the outfield behind Fernando Tatis Jr., who's really the only like regular outfielder that's above both of these guys in some of these categories. He's first in outs above average in the National League. He's first in outfield arm runs above average, and he leads the league in ultimate zone rating with 15. And so Brent Doyle is getting it done in center field, and then you've got Nolan Jones out there with that cannon. And this was a position, you know, he came up as a third baseman and then played some outfield with the with Cleveland. And then the Rockies took him. And you know, I think a lot of people were wondering, well, is he just going to have his days? Probably first base is where he's destined to play more. No, he has cemented himself and learned the outfield incredibly. Oh, there was a play the other day at Coors Field. He was in left field. And they launched the ball deep center field and he comes out <laughs> tracked it all the way he and Doyle are basically there at the same time deepest part of the ballpark and Jones makes it look like an easy catch even bangs into the the wall and yeah it <laughs> ma- makes it look easy minus the fact that he cracked his jaw into the wall yeah 
because he comes down and he's just like, ah, ah, but he's yeah. got the ball. And he made it look like an easy play. Like there was never a doubt watching him run after he'd never showed like, oh, this ball's gone. He's tracked it all the way and makes a nice little over the shoulder basket catch. Nice and easy. And Jones, especially him learning a new position immediately becoming know really comfortable with it in his first season you know at Coors Field as a rocky he's a rookie he's tied for uh tied the franchise record for outfield assists by a rookie he's tied with Brad Hopp with 10 no doubt he probably beats that this season and Brent Doyle is just a couple behind him so it's it's just cool to see that these two guys are really doing well and we're not going to focus on Tolia as much but Tolia Holds his own out there. He's not bad in the outfield. But Jonesy and Doyle, man, it's just fun to watch him run around out there. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned the fact that both Doyle and Jones were basically there at the same time. Doyle is known for being a speedster. He leads the team in stolen bases. He, one of his primary tools is how quick and rangy he is. Nolan Jones is deceptively fast. For a mm-hmm. guy his size, he's a big guy. He used to be a hockey player. Um, and like you said, he was brought up as corner infield. And now you look at him having having learned right field and, and left field and occasionally even center field. He can play it. And it would be such a waste to slap him at first base. Mm-hmm. He, he's earned that outfield spot, which is crazy because now the Rockies have a ton of really interesting outfield prospects that are making their way to double uh, A AA and triple A. You've got Benny Montgomery, Yankee Fernandez, Zach Veen, Jordan Beck. You've got a lot of guys. There's going to be some decisions to make and guys like Nolan Jones or, and Brenton Doyle are going to make it hard for them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you combine the fact with they both have, Doyle is still working on his bat. His bat is always something that's needed to work, but we've seen the flashes of what he can do. The fact that he's got eight home runs and we have the potential to have three rookies on this team with 10 plus home runs before Mm -hmm. the season's over. But they've both been just so good and it's they're so much fun to watch and they always do something noteworthy every game doyle's always making some kind of crazy diving catch and if he's not uh if he's not crushing the ball um i i believe jones has some of the most deep home runs in the league this year mm-hmm. he's doing something impressive in the outfield as well yeah and it just helps your pitching so much more as well when you have good outfield defense, because these guys have cannons, like we mentioned. So no, that may keep a guy from trying to take that extra base. No one and trying to do a hustle double or no, try to go first to third, or as we've seen, no, if that ball's not deep enough for a sack fly, or if it's not deep enough and the guy's coming around third, maybe trying to score, they get the stop sign. They're like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to hold up. There's no, no way I'm trying to run on these guys. That helps the team so much more. And we saw in July, pitching was better. Like July was the best pitching month for yeah. the Rockies, partly uh, less games in a way. But having that defense, outfield defense especially, I think that's a contributing factor to it because they're cutting down runs. They're doing their job, tra- chasing down balls that maybe fall for hits, stealing hits. 
stealing runs away, getting the outs. It helps so much more where then the team doesn't have to focus so much on, oh, everybody's got to be a ground ball pitcher because we are, we have to focus on our our infield defense has to be better. You know, the infield defense is good. The outfield defense is picking it up where, you know, Coors Field, you don't have to worry as much now. Oh, it's such big real estate. Oh, no, you fill that space with guys who can cover it, and it's not a problem. And Nolan Jones and and Brenton Doyle are proving that. Yeah, and think about you, guys like Austin Gomber. Austin yeah. Gomber is a majority fly ball pitcher, and he looked he's looked really good over the last couple months. And a big part of that, in addition to him being more confident and pitching better, is that he can let uh, hitters hit the ball into the air, like he like he is more prone to do is with his pitching arsenal. Because there are guys in the outfield who are going to be able to track it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's like you said, not having to focus explicitly on ground ball outs because you know that your outfield can take care of things. Mm-hmm. And that's just in the nature of the game itself. Defensive players are getting more athletic. Just the nature of the game. Everybody's just so athletic now. Your infielders, your outfielders, especially. And you see guys ranging over. It's it's so important now. Defense, I feel like, has become even more important these days in today's game, just the way pitchers pitch and you know how hitters hit and everything goes into it. You need solid outfield defense. You can't really afford to have a weak link out there anymore. Uh, and we'll talk about one of those weak links again. We keep alluding to it. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. <laughs> but then, Evan, this makes me think this kind of that next conversation we had talked about of what do you do with Chris Bryant when he's ready to come back because they say he's going to play again this year. What do you do with him? Because his outfield defense hasn't been great, and that partly, too, because of just his body hasn't been up to it or something. And Oh, just the him naturally getting older thing, but it, his defense hasn't been great, and so it makes you wonder what do they do with him because he's kind of a waste out there in right field. His bat's still good at times, but his defense. Uh, what what do you do with him? And there's the talk of moving him to first base. I would much rather have. Jones or Tolia out there in right field than I would Chris Bryant at this point. And that's not necessarily a knock on KB, Mm -hmm. but it it just is a fact that his outfield defense when he has played this year has been bad in 404 innings in the outfield. He's got a negative eight DRS. That's, That's pretty bad. And, you know, his bat can make up for it. But in statistics that value defense as a total player package, it drags him down so much. Like you look at Chris Bryant's war and he's got negative war this season. And I think first base is not an unlikely destination for him. It's an easier position to learn for guys who have um, lots of different fielding experience, especially if you're KB who's played the other corner. Um, And his actual glove work is not that bad. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have the speed or the range. He he just doesn't to patrol that outfield. Maybe in a shallower outfield he would do a little bit better. But at Coors Field he he can't keep up there. Yeah. And 
I think the question is what you're going to do at first base because we have so many guys who are going to be vying for this first base spot. You have Michael Tolia, you have Alaris Montero, you've got Grant Levine in double A, you've got Hunter Goodman in triple A. You're a little crowded there. And the problem is, I think it does a disservice to them to give KB first base for the rest of the season, if slash when he comes back. Honestly, I'm not sold that KB is going to be back this season. He's still in the cast. He's still not swinging. Um, it's it's been we've had somewhat mixed messages on on whether or not he's going to come back this year. Honestly, I think for the best, you might as well just shut him down and make sure he's fully healed again. But if you do bring him back, then you can cycle him in at first base and as the designated hitter, and then occasionally in the outfield like you do with Charlie Blackman. Mm -hmm. Because at this point, you need to keep doing what they've been doing, and they have. They've been doing a good job at this for the most part, is the rookies are in and the rookies are getting reps. Alaris Montero has been getting more reps. Michael Tolia has been getting more reps. You need to keep doing that. And Mm -hmm. I think KB would be fine at first base. The issue is, and this is always an issue with this team, is that the logjam is there. There's a pretty way, easy way to open up that log jam too. Trade your prospects. Yeah. For pitching. And that's, that, and that's always been a thing is that the Rockies hang on to their prospects and they're going to have to start making decisions as they've got all of these outfielders and and other guys coming up and, and being ready to make their big league debut of you can't keep them all. You can't have seven or eight outfielders on a, on a roster. I mean, I'm sure the Rockies would love to, considering their history of having way too many outfielders on the roster. But you you just have to start making these decisions. And, you know, KB's not going anywhere. Um, with that contract, he's basically immovable. And with his um, recent injury history, it'll be even harder. And that's that's not necessarily an awful thing. Like, I, I like KB. I think he can contribute to this team. We've seen that his bat, when it gets going, is still has a lot of positives in it. But you just need to find a way where you're minimizing his negative defensive impact. And if that's first base, great. But then you have to figure out what you're doing with Montero and Tolia. Mm-hmm. Well, and also moving him to first base, a little easier on the body. You're not having to do as much at first base. Your arm, you're not throwing as much. That protects your shoulder. Not having to move around as much. That saves the legs. Yeah, maybe the back. Well, the back hasn't been a problem this season. But, you know, it can help out (laughs) quite a bit. And you can play a little bit more banged up there at first. So it's, you know, maybe some injuries you can rest a little bit easier. Still play, but not have to worry about some injuries as much. So... I feel like first base seems like his future, and this is just kind of the corner they back themselves into where, yeah, you're stuck with Chris Bryant, and he's probably better suited as your DH primarily, your primary DH, and then he can you can slot him into the other spots as needed. That's perfectly fine, but it's carving out a spot for him where you can maximize his value. And same with a lot, all these other guys. Maximize their value in a way, if Michael Tully and Montero aren't still aren't figuring it out offensively, the big league level, there's guys coming up behind them that you can slot out, and then maybe you can 
figure out how to trade away those guys or you know, relegate them to valuable spots that they can contribute. So a lot of decisions to be made, but I think the <laughs> outfield defense is important here, and it's just fi- making sure we're filling that out with the best guys possible who yeah. can play those positions. And we'll talk about it a little more in, in a couple minutes here. But a, a good example of the Chris Bryant dilemma is um, comes with Jerks and Profar. Jerks and Profar has been playing less and less in the outfield and more and more the DH position when he's playing, which is weird because his bat necessarily doesn't suggest DH, but it does keep the more positive value players in the outfield um, as opposed to, to Profar, who is bad. Mm-hmm. outfield really bad but you know eventually you you can't just do that for every player on this team you, mm-hmm. you can't have four different dhs mulling around yeah as much as bud black wants that to be the case you just can't do that you got to have a nice steady lineup of guys playing yeah but speaking of jerks and profar he is going to be the primary subject of conversation After this quick ad break, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What's a, what's an ad that you remember from your childhood, Skylar? Um, man, I really don't know. (laughs) I was going to say, do you remember those Capri Sun ads? Oh yeah. Turned into like liquid liquid metal t2 style yes (laughs) i remember those or the weird airhead commercials oh airheads they're out of control the horrifying body horror that is the kid eats the airhead and then he head turns into a giant balloon there was a there was a lot of body horror in in the 90s do you remember the honeycomb commercials where like those regular people would turn into the horrible little gremlin oh yeah that was that was pretty body horror because they'd be like their face would like bulge and their limbs would like contort as they morph into a horrible little goblin that just says honeycomb, honeycomb, me want honeycomb. Yeah. That's some Cronenberg level stuff to expose children to. <laughs> Old commercials in those late nineties, early two thousands, just so out of pocket with so much stuff. Those were wild. Fun stuff. My greatest advertisement or a marketing device was I don't know if you ever played the the CD ROM is like Captain Crunch's just like serial adventure type thing where you play the little the little crunchlings. Oh, where you basically owned and raised slaves to perform you, for your amusement. Well, no, you, he wasn't a slave. You raise right, him and get them strong. Crunch berries. Yeah, you grow and you feed them peanut butter crunch or whatever. They're in the cave and you do three little mini games to train up until you can take on this bad guy, this orc looking creature and you defeat him in a skateboarding competition or one of the other activities. That's so nineties. We're going to save the world with the power of extreme sports. It's true. That was a fun game. I sat there and played that all the time on the computer. Crunchitize me, captain. They should have had it. If they're so into extreme sports, they should have had a tie in with rocket power. Mm hmm. Well, this has been uh, 90s advertising reminiscing with Evan and Skyler. Welcome back to the show. 
what other ads did you like from the 90s? Please leave a comment below and we'll discuss them in our next episode. But in order to kill time, we're now going to talk about Jerks and Profar and Harold Castro. Um, the, the two guys that didn't get moved to the trade deadline in terms of the, the veteran position players that a lot of guys, um, a, a, a lot of other guys got moved on. CJ Crone, Randall Gritchick. You had a bunch of the veteran pitchers get moved on. But Profar and um, and Castro, they stayed put. And, you know, part of it is because value-wise, you were probably never going to get a big return on them. But what's been interesting is we've seen Harold Castro get less and less playing time with the return of Brendan Rodgers. But Jerks and Profar has still been getting a lot of time in the Rockies lineup this late into the season. And it really is odd because his performance doesn't really justify it. Yeah, he has been good. <laughs> Jerks and Profar is statistically one of the worst players in baseball this year. And that's not, it, it sounds hyperbolic, but it isn't. When you look at the fact that he's got negative 1.5 R war per baseball reference, he's, Barely batting over the Mendoza line at 238. His on-base percentage is not that great, despite the fact that he's been touted as being able to draw walks, which, yeah, he draws some walks every now and then, but 317 on base is not that good. It's not awful, but it doesn't really justify him around, along with that slugging percentage of 369. So he's got an OPS plus of 77. Mm -hmm. And you combine that with the fact that he is one of the worst overall defensive players in the league, not just outfielders in the league, one of the worst defenders in the league, period, with negative 11 defensive runs saved. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it's odd because if you look at his career numbers, he's pretty much playing to his career average. He's not doing worse. He's not doing better. He's just playing the same as he always has. It's just exemplified even more this season you know, for the price that he's playing at. And you know, being an everyday starter, yeah, he, he's, you know, he puts the ball in play. He does that stuff. But when he does put the ball in play, he's just not doing that much with everything. 238 average, 317 on base, 369 slugging. Got an OPS plus of 77. So he's not really doing all that much of what you would want him to do. He's playing more to this is a guy that should be your fourth outfielder. No, should be maybe getting a starter to uh, a couple starts during the week, but shouldn't be your everyday player anymore. The power is not there. Uh, he threw out the random 15 home runs last season. That looked like some hopeful that he could have replicated that, but he's not, that's just not who he is anymore. Like it's more and more that those 20 home run seasons in Texas and Oakland were flukes as well as the 15 home runs last season. So he's more of that. He should be a guy that's on your bench getting a couple of starts during the week, not playing every day Yeah, because he's the offensively he's, he's getting what you've always, what he's always been advertised, but defensively, Anything he can do offensively is quickly negated by just badly he is in the outfield. And we've talked about this before that you know, at the beginning of the season, he was looking pretty good out there. 
making nice diving catches, playing the position pretty decently. But then as the season's gone on, it's just kind of become, I don't want to say lazy, but it's just kind of (laughs) been uninspired for the, for a lot of the season where, yeah, he's still putting out his effort, but he just doesn't have the range and motion and, and the natural movement out there that's beneficial. And it gets magnified even more when you look at the other guys that are out there in the outfield with him, like Brenton Doyle, who's out there in center field, and, and Nolan Jones, where you begin praying like, man, I hope they don't hit it to left field. Yeah. And part of it, I think, is so he missed a little bit of time um, with a knee injury. He didn't go on the IL, but Bud Black said that that knee's been bugging him for a little bit. So I wonder if he's been a little more injured than we all thought um, since fairly early in the season. Because at the very beginning of the season, he was making some impressive plays and he was getting it done Mm -hmm. out there. But he really hasn't for a large part of the season after that. And it just makes me wonder if he's been hurt. Well, yeah, like like we were talking about, playing outfield is tough on your legs, especially Coors Field with all that ground and no running around in major league ballparks in cleats or whatever the guys are wearing, the rubber cleats or whatever they're wearing. But it's a lot of that impact on that ground. It does some damage. It hurts the knees and all the different ballparks and different having to change elevations and everything. Running around as much as baseball players do and some people don't sometimes think about is it's just murder on your knees as an outfielder with all the running that you have to do, the sudden bursts and quick impacts and trying to sprint, you're jumping and diving and twisting all this kinds of stuff, sliding all kinds of stuff. And yeah, I think when we, when he had that twisted knee, it makes you think, yeah, I wonder if this has been bothering him longer than we, we thought it was because I remember we were talking and all of a sudden he just looks like he's not hustling out there. Yeah. He's not going all out. And you hear that in the knee, like, Oh, that would explain a lot of things of just kind of this, continual decline in in his motion and being able to play defense and run. Yeah. And it's tough because you look at you look at all of his numbers. His ultimate zone rating is negative 2.8. He's got one of the worst outs above average um in in the league with negative 12. And mm-hmm. you know other guys on that list in the lower bottom you've got guys like Kyle Schwarber or um, Spencer Steer for the Reds, or or Vladdy Jr., and the difference with them is that they make up for their bad defense with their batting prowess. Mm -hmm. Schwarber's going to hit Schwarber bombs. Vladdy Jr. is going to tank some balls. And, yeah, Profar's got eight home runs this year, which is more, honestly, than I expected of him at this point in his career. But offensively, he can't justify that. And it's the same as, so they've taken him largely out of the outfield recently and having him play DH, but his numbers aren't good enough to have him regularly play DH either. And I think part of it is the Rockies don't want to look silly because they gave him a lot of money. Um, They paid him, uh, it started 7.75 million. And I believe he had some, uh, incentives that vested that made him being paid something like 8.5, 8.75 million. 
that's a lot for a one-year rental for a player of Profar's caliber. And I think the Rockies don't want to look silly of, well, we paid this guy all this money and we don't want to DFA him. Mm-hmm. But and, at this point in the season, that might be the best thing to do. Yeah. Because you look silly anyway. You already look silly because you did pay him all that money. Mm-hmm. So you might as well just not fall into the sunk cost fallacy of it. And, you know, I like Jerkson Profar the person. He seems like a great guy, always really, really positive. Um, the happiest man teammate, in baseball. Happiest man in baseball. But. The happiest man in baseball is not what you need right now on this team and not what you need to be getting regular at-bats and regular playing time. Mm -hmm. And I'm fine with Profar if he has to finish out the season with the team. Uh, Strictly the clubhouse thing, and I'm sure all the guys like having him around and everything. And it's just unfortunate that coming off that season he had last year, and he bet on himself, and the Rockies took the bait out of desperation. Of yeah, we gotta sign this. We gotta no, sign, we gotta sign somebody, and we like Profar and what he can offer. And you know, both we both liked the signing at the beginning of the season, and you no, know, it just hasn't panned out. And we haven't gotten probably the higher hopes. I think we got exactly Profar. We got the Profar that has always been and always will be. And so the Rockies might have, we just might've gotten bamboozled at a desperation, yeah. <laughs> but well, and think, cause think about, and we talked about this when the signing happened, think about the situation that the Rockies were in when they brought in Profar. Brendan Rogers was hurt and potentially going to miss the entire season. Sean Bouchard, who was supposed to be competing for that starting left field spot, got hurt and was expected to miss the entire season. Mm-hmm. And we had other injuries. We were having to move Chris Bryant to right field. We were we were having to do some shuffling around. And I think it was like I said, it was a, it was a desperation move of we need a guy now. Yeah, because Nolan and Jones I, and Michael Tolia were striking were out ready. so much. And but now we get to this point in the season. Both Sean Bouchard and Brendan Rodgers are back playing. Sean Bouchard has been activated off the IL, an option to AAA Albuquerque. Brendan Rodgers is back being the everyday starting second baseman. Guys like Brenton Doyle and Nolan Jones have cemented outfield spots. Mm -hmm. So, unfortunately, that that renders Profar and and the need for Profar obsolete. Yeah. And so we'll see what happens coming into September with him because there's guys knocking on the door that are really worth a look to get a leg up for 2024. Uh, his name is Hunter Goodman and he will not stop hitting home runs. Yeah. He can't stop dancing. Uh, so guys like that, that are knocking on the door, getting ready, that are worth a look at the big league level. No, in left field, especially, you find yourself with guys like Profar, uh, maybe running out of time, maybe time to just come loose, or maybe that knee gets twisted again enough where, hey, he can't really play anymore. We need to put him on the injury list for the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, well, we that call that the we, Jose Iglesias effect. Well, that was what was frustrating with, um, we called up Cole Tucker, and 
Cole Tucker really didn't get a lot of playing time after being called up. Instead, Profar getting a decent amount of playing time. And then when Profar got hurt and didn't get added to the injured list and they had to reactivate Charlie Blackman, they designated Tucker for assignment. And I'm, I was happy that he cleared waivers and he made it back to Albuquerque. But you have a guy like Tucker who's 26, 27 and has far more value and could be far more interesting to be playing out there than guys like Profar. It was so frustrating to watch Tucker get designated for assignment when he's been excellent in AAA Albuquerque this year. So mm-hmm. deserving of an actual extended chance. Well, yeah, and, this, and he and didn't it, get it. Yeah, and it goes along with, you know, Profar, I didn't expect it, but Harold Castro, like you could have cut him loose because Cole Tucker fills that spot, one, at a cheaper price in a way, but also just adds more defensively with being a switch hitter and he does what Harold Castro is supposed to do of being hit and Harold. And like, yeah, Harold Castro has done that this season a bit, 260 something average eh, not inspiring, but doesn't walk strikes out and isn't that good defensively has never really been highly rated as a defensive player, mm-hmm. but Cole Tucker this season, really good defensively at multiple positions, both middle infield. He can play first base, play any of the outfield spots, specifically center field, speedy out there. And then as a switch hitter, does what Profar can't really. And he's solid, a solid approach, both sides of the plate, put the ball in play, and he walks. Like this season, looking at his AAA numbers, dude was walking a ton. A nice K to walk ratio, Everything that you would want out of a utility bench guy, you know, in, in Cole Tucker, something that you know, Harold Castro is not providing really. And you no, know, Harold Castro is getting called in in those moments to pinch hit that you no, know, you'd rather have a guy like Brenton Doyle taking anyway. Yeah. Or if you had to, you're calling in Cole Tucker, who you know can draw a walk or can put the bat on the ball and get on base. So it's just a, just a weird scenario that the Rockies uh, were committed to Profar and Castro and are choosing them over guys that can legitimately improve your ball club, but you're sticking with the other guys for sentimental reasons. Yeah. It's – and Castro as well. Castro's got a negative 1.2 R-War this year. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Profar's negative 1.5. Those two alone are dragging down this team's overall wins above replacement by an, a comical degree. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at, at the very least, I will say bat-wise, Castro has more lived up to a veteran minimum contract this year than Profar has with yeah. his eight with his eight plus million dollars. But but Castro's still things. getting paid like a million dollars still this season. Yeah. And it's just there really isn't a place for either of them on this team right now, especially yeah. with Brendan Rogers back and Castro really isn't that playing. Castro has just been frustratingly siphoning clutch at bats from rookies who I'd much rather see get that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like in the month of September, do we want Harold Castro getting more at bats or do we want to see Coco Montez come back up and get reps? Do we want to see, Oh, Aaron Shunk come up and get some reps? Yes. Uh, 
get some guys some looks. Hunter Goodman coming up. Yes. Uh, some other guys down there in AAA that are seeing Sean Bouchard to come back up yes. and, and finish the season <laughs> with the big league roster. Uh, do we want to see who else is there in AAA? Jimmy Heron or Daniel Montano or there's so many guys that you want to see get looks, but there's all kinds of roster consideration stuff. We don't want to start their clock early type stuff, but it, there's decision to be made. And Harold Castro and Jerickson Profar, they were good signings to start with. I don't think we'll ever, we don't argue that, but they, as time has gone on, they've become less and less valuable on the team. And on one year deals, you got to cut those guys loose at some point, yeah. especially in a lost season. If you're just putting them out there to save yourself, putting a rookie out there because you don't want to pay them or send them, send them out there and start their clock, you got to figure something out. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's not a whole lot more you can say on that. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. And we can go ahead and move into our last segment. And since it's been a little bit, we're a little bit late, but we're going to talk our July players, pitchers, and MVP of the month. Woo! Uh, so we might as well dive right into that. Um, let's start with position players. Skyler, who do you have as your position player of the month? July was a little weird. Yeah, because uh, mine isn't even on the team anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a Randall Grichik. Once again, a player of the month for me, uh, who's now with the Los Angeles Angels. But Grichik, Grich had a good month of July and really helped that trade value overall by the end of the month, where Grichik in 16 games had 21 hits that led the team, 13 runs scored, that led the team, three doubles, had six home runs, that led the team, nine RBIs, that put him tied for second behind Crony. And uh, and Ryan McMahon, but eight strikeouts, three walks. He had a he batted 350, 391, 700, had an OPS of 1.091 for the month of July, and that ultimately helped him, you know, up that trade value and get sent over to the Angels to net some pretty good prospects back in return. But a good month of July for Randall Grichik, and now he's on the. Uh, directionless Los Angeles Angels, unfortunately, who are who doing who knows what. But good month of for him with the Rockies. Yeah, and I, my uh, my position player also Randall Grichik, and I think him getting that value for himself for the trade deadline also helps him really be that position player of the month because uh -huh. two pretty good pitching prospects in return for sending him and CJ Crone over to the Angels and. Man, I posted pretty much every time he did something. Randall Gritchick trade value going up because that's exactly what he did. Like you said, he hit most of his home runs in the month of July on the season. He hit that OPS of over 1,000. He was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And he really did. He just kept driving that trade value up, and, and the Rockies were able to get something good for him. And that's exactly what we wanted from him in the month of July. It's the same for CJ Crone. CJ Crone probably be my runner-up for position yeah. player of the month because he also had a really good month of July after coming back from the injured list where CJ hit 322, 355, 627 for an OPS of 982. Yeah. 
but definitely Randall Gretchik. Yeah, and <laughs> luckily we were able to fleece the Angels because CJ Crone's back is once again bothering him yeah. over there. So he was good and healthy for 16 games or so in July and then goes over to the Angels and I think he's back, acted up again. Yeah, and he's back on the IL. And we're back over here just like... <laughs> Thanks for the prospects, chumps. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunate for CJ Crone, but at least he was able to have that good stretch to up that trade value. And now yeah. the Angels have to call up their first round pick of 2023 to come play first base. Which is wild. Mm-hmm. Crazy and, stuff. And, you know, Randall Gritchick also has, has fallen off a little bit since getting over to Los Angeles. His uh, batting average since joining the Angels is just 167, but he does have three home runs and a triple. Yeah, so it may be the Angels are just uh, are just bad, bad at everything. Lucas Giolito's been doing terrible since coming over there. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate for them. Poor I was, I, was, I was pulling for them, honestly. Yeah, but Shohei Otani can only do so much. Yeah, uh, like uh, at time of recording last night was so wild where they turned a triple play to keep things tied in the ninth. Shohei Otani hit a grand slam and still the Angels lost. Mm-hmm. Like, I know people are maybe getting a little tired of hearing that that Tungsten Armo Doyle joke, but it proves evergreen, unfortunately, for the Los Angeles Angels. Mm-hmm. Awful. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, then for pitcher of the month. Skyler, I think you'll probably agree with agree with me on this, where I'm going with Austin Gomber as our pitcher uh, of the month. Yes, that is the correct answer. Gomber has really turned it around into you remember in the in the the second half of 2021 when we first brought in Austin Gomber and he was pitching really, really well. It's looking like he's finally back to that point. And you can look at July as really a turnaround point. He had five starts, had an ERA of three over 30 innings, uh, gave up three home runs, which is not that bad considering he's a he's a fly ball pitcher. 17 strikeouts to just two walks with a whip of 1.10. Now, that opposing batting average against of 277, little high, not that awful, but it shows that he's not letting he that people are getting on base but it's not a deal breaker for him that he can keep things going and not allow things to get out of hand mm-hmm. and in a time where this rotation has really struggled with injuries and with performance gomber flipping that switch is something that we really really both wanted and needed to see yeah so in the month of july pitched into had six innings in all five of his starts that month oh Four out of the five were quality starts. The only one was on July 19th against Houston. He gave up four runs uh, on eight hits, but still pitched six innings, had five strikeouts. He went four consecutive starts in July without issuing a walk. Just two walks in the month of July, issued two on July 31st against the Padres. But no walks, which was huge for him. That was something that he had been struggling with all season. And home runs, and problem strikeouts. He's had those tick up a little bit more. He, and we've talked about this for ever since when he kind of came out and admitted about like the the anxieties and struggles he had had been having mentally. And ever since he had had that conversation and like talked about that, 
I think a switch is flipped and he's gone back to being our most, he's our most reliable starter. He has been you know, the, the, <laughs> the surviving member of the opening day rotation that really hasn't missed any time. He's stayed in there. He's pitching games and July was just really the epitome of, of what Gomber can do and be a reliable starter. Yeah. His last start, against uh, the Diamondbacks on August 16th was pretty ugly. Six runs on seven hits in August. But we're not talking about August. We're talking about July. And he's been, he was solid last month. And he, he's continued it into August until that most recent start. Well, and honestly, though, the Diamondbacks are a good team. They may have been faltering after the All-Star break, but they're still a good team with a lot of talent. Against and the playing, playing against them in Coors Field in August sometimes damage is going to happen and but you should take a look at his two games before that game in august where he only gave up two earned runs in five inning against against the dodgers at dodger stadium and he blanked the cardinals for six innings in st louis Mm -hmm. but for july he was just so good and you can't even fault him for those four runs and six innings against houston because it's the astros the astros are good we know they're good yeah and still limiting them to four runs at Coors Field. He kept them in that game. So good stuff for him. Yeah, I I am really happy with Gomber. Uh, and I hope he continue to pitch well. Because you think about where he was at earlier in the season where his ERA for a while was like over seven. Yeah. And even coming into July, uh, his ERA was high six. And he's gotten that thing all the way down now to uh, 5.5, which is uh, a lower mark for him this season. And you just really like to see it. He's a good guy, and you like to see him succeed. And you also like to know that one of the last remaining pieces that we have of the Nolan Arenado trade is actually performing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was like that thing where out of like the Tulowitzki and and Arenado trades – Austin Gomber has contributed the most war <laughs> to the team. Yep. <laughs> yeah, good for him. I've always liked Gomber, and it's good to see him coming back into his zone and just pitching with confidence. Yeah, never great Gombito. Yes, the Wombo Gombo combo. Blake Street Gomber. Gumbo. Uh, <laughs> Gumbology, the study of Gumbo. Yes. Um, who would you say your MVP is between the two? Uh, Austin Gomber, because with a pitching rotation that's in tatters and an offense that's been kind of bad, uh, he has just been solid and giving out goes out there and gives the team has been giving the team the best chance to win and keeping the team in it. And yeah, he's been doing it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I honorable mention for Grichik for MVP just because he was such a big part of that trade that got us two pretty great prospects. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Austin Gomber, I think I agree with you there. Mm-hmm. It's weird having pitchers be our MVPs more so this year. No, well, it's been a mixed bag. It's been a strange season, and it's going to keep being a strange season. And we appreciate you listening to us here on Affected by Altitude despite the two-week hiatus and the unfortunate nature of the Colorado Rockies. Uh, but I think that's going to about do it for us this week. Skyler, where can the folks find you at on the socials? You can find me on X. No. 
X Twitter, the site formerly known as Twitter, uh, at sideline underscore crowd. Uh, that's primarily where you'll find me now until that ship finally goes down. And then you can go find me on Blue Sky or Threads, but still over there. You can't block me now, so take that. <laughs> uh, Brighton Wednesday Rock Piles. Uh, you can also find every Rocky ever. Brand new episode recently put up uh, this last Wednesday. Talking about the Jamies that have played for the Rockies. Jamie Wright, Jamie Carroll, and the Fountain of Youth himself, Jamie Moyer. Uh, it was a fun little episode with my brother. And then find me writing those Wednesday rock piles and look for us trying to write more over at fans first sports network on their website, writing more articles, uh, trying to get more content out there that may not always be about the Rockies, but more often than not, it probably will. But yeah, fun stuff. You got to stick with what you know sometimes. Yep. And if there's one thing we know, it's Rockies baseball. Yep. How about uh, you, you you can find me on Twitter at, at Evan underscore Lang 27. I would love to hear from you. I still refuse to call it X. I think that's stupid. And I think that rem- if they do indeed try to remove the ability to block people, that could potentially be the final death uh, death knell of that website, which if it happens, good riddance, I suppose. Uh, you can also find me on Blue Sky at evanlang27.bsky.social. Um as I get more followers there, I'm going to post more there. So, um, you know, keep an eye out on that. Feel free to follow me over there. You can also hit me up on the Purple Rose doing usually Thursdays, but this coming week I'm doing Monday instead. I switch with Kenneth. And um, you can also find us at the Rocky Mountain Rooftop Twitter, which is at Rocky Mountain Rooftop. That's at R-O-C-K-Y-M-T-N Rooftop. Also, in the coming week, how do you hear this? Uh, look for a fun little interview we'll be doing with Stephen Rice, the play-by-play voice of the Fresno Grizzlies, the Rockies' low-A affiliate. Looking forward to that. Uh, unfortunately, Evan won't be able to join us yeah, just time-wise uh, and everything. Time-wise, unfortunately, I've got to be at the day job, but I'm really looking forward to uh, hearing what Stephen has to say and what you guys are going to ask him. I think that's going to be a great, uh, great interview. Stephen is awesome. The Fresno Grizzlies are awesome. They're always really fun to watch. Yeah, um, I be highly fun. recommend checking them out if you haven't already. Yeah, and it'll be fun to to l- talk about some of the new draftees and and just the younger guys to be on the lookout for down there in 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 Fresno, like uh, Cole Carrick and Kyle Caros. Yeah, no, it's it'll be fun because we care about all the big names, but maybe asking about some of the the other names that no aren't as highly tooted, but may have some potential, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to talk to him about it and be on the lookout with every Rocky ever. Still trying to get some things cooking there, get some more people on there, like we had when I had Patrick Lyons and stuff. Yeah, um, and we definitely want to try and get more guests on as we, as we go. Um, and we will always make sure to announce things, keep you posted on our social media accounts as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thank you so much for listening. That's going to about do it for us today. Skylar, how about you? Hit him with it. Farewell. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>